This is Josh. And this is Nicole. And this is an Oregon Transition Podcast bonus episode. Get ready for Josh and Nicole's excellent adventure as we travel back in time to Oregon Statewide Transition Conference, March 2019. Let's hear what conference attendees wanted to get out of this year's conference. I hope to get some tools to take back to my classroom, maybe some new lesson plan ideas. I like to stay current with what's going on um, and transition services that my students could access. So I'm hoping for some new fresh ideas and some, some creativity. I'm hoping to learn more about existing programs, uh, successful techniques from other providers. I just want to see that people are excited about inspiring people around transition. It'd just be great to see uh, people going away feeling like their fires are lit. It sounds like everyone was really excited to bring fresh new ideas back from the conference to their classrooms and organizations. And what a better way to start the conference with an amazing, fresh outlook on disability. The Oregon Statewide Transition Conference was lucky to have Nina G as our first keynote speaker. Nina G is a comedian, professional speaker, storyteller, writer, and educator. She works at a community college as an accommodation specialist in California, and she also performs stand-up comedy. In her keynote, Nina shared her story of growing up with a learning disability and a stutter and her journey to become a stand-up comedian. So denial turned to acceptance, shame to pride, anxiety to kindness, guilt into comfort, fear into courage, hopelessness into hope, and most of all, isolation into community. It was because I met my community, I was able to start to make those changes. I was courageous to make those changes in my life and, to, and take back and claim that space. Six months after the conference, I got up on stage in the light of a dingy open mic, and I told my first dirty joke. (laughs) (laughs) You guys just clapped for the word dirty joke. That that was yes, thank you. In her keynote. Nina talks about the empowerment she felt within her own community. Nina carried on that conversation with students in the next session. I have done panels after other keynotes, and to me, you know, there's always that emphasis on what does the expert say, what does the expert say, what does the expert say, and research out of a journal, out of a book, research in the university environment doesn't give a clear picture in the whole picture where I think talking to people who have a a disability does and that's to me like I've done lots of trainings on multiculturalism and diversity and disability sensitivity I think all of those should be you know just like a a supplement to actually interacting with a person who is from that background or whatever. And I wanted people to really have to hear the words coming from the people that they're working with. 
I'm easy as jokes. Um, I like playing video games in my bedroom. I'm Aaliyah and I like animals. I like Hannah and I enjoy theater. I was wondering if you, if if any of you, uh, can talk a little bit about what it was like to be in school and something you liked that your teachers did. So basically, I was always in a higher class, but like. Sometimes the teachers would like say, you can work extra harder, and you can do like the desk later if you want, so that I can study more. Okay, and so ha having a teacher help you and guide you on where you needed to go, I think, is a key thing. Um, one of the things that I found in working with college students, because my day job is as a community college counselor, in working with disabled students is that sometimes there aren't always high expectations of people who are in resource or in a special ed room. But it sounded like one of the things that you said is your teachers had high expectations of you for you to put in the work and to have a payoff. Nina is now going to talk about the importance of identifying the students' strengths interests and preferences. Going through school is that they find something that they love, something that they're good at, because you spend most of the day reading, writing, math, reading, writing, math, reading, writing, math. And what I tell teachers is that if your job was eight hours a day of doing the very thing that you have a difficult, uh, a difficult time with, would you stay? And they're like, no, I would quit that job. Yeah, that's why so many of us quit school, because we don't have that investment. And did one of you mention sports? Okay, what did you do for sports? Uh, I played soccer, and I played softball. So soccer and, and softball. And that may be where a lot of high school kids get their self-esteem. And we need to advocate like hell to have them stay in that. I think it was Rick, his name's Rick Lavoy, who does a lot in the uh, LD world. And one of his speeches, he says that teachers and parents and whomever else needs to be a, a talent scout, that they need to find that thing that the kid's good at and that they're passionate about and explode that. And he, in fact, gives the example of if the only thing your kid is good at is using a Phillips head s s s screw screwdriver, then you unscrew every single screw in that house. And at the end of the day, after they've had such a hard time in school, you give them that s s screwdriver and you let them at it so that they can feel like they are accomplishing something. That's perfect. And I feel like that story could lead to a job. Yes! And you could have a job where your job is to unscrew all the Phillips head screwdrivers and that would be so valuable to that business or construction mm -hmm. site or wherever you're working. Exactly. So tell me about the thing that you are best at or the thing that you love the most. I was in Quiro too and I was a tenor. My favorite thing was performing on stage and my other favorite thing was how they warm up like how you see better. Yeah. 
Josh, it sounded like each of the students that Nina just talked to were really interested in in arts or extracurricular, or um, they really had strong interests and preferences in those areas. How do we make sure as a society that they can access those things? Nina is now going to talk about the idea of universal design and how, as we're supporting students that experience disabilities, we can support everyone. Um, so the principle of universal design is that um, ramps are intended to accommodate people who have a disability, but they help everyone else too. And that is the thing, is that when you can make it accessible for a person who uses a wheelchair, someone who is hard of hearing, someone who is blind, someone who has dyslexia, someone who has ADHD, you're going to accommodate everybody in that, including English language learners, including people who have PTSD and have learning needs there that we may not see. All of those things help the entire school environment. And what I say is that if we can make the world more accessible for people like us, y'all are gonna benefit. Uh, and also, by the way, many of you will become disabled one day, which I know we don't like to talk about, but that's why disabled people call you temporarily able bodied or tabs. Um, <laughs> so tab, so that is what the disabled community calls the rest of you that don't have a disability, which is temporarily able-bodied. And that is because any of us could become di disabled or more disabled at any time. It's the only minority group that anybody can become a member of at any time. So traditionally, the concept of universal access and design comes from the architectural world. So it is the modification of environments to be as usable as by as many people as possible. Okay. So usually we think of ramps, we think of automatic doors, we think of those kinds of things. But then carrying that concept into the classroom is how can we ramp up the classroom so that if somebody uses a wheelchair, how will they be able to access it? And that might be thinking through field trips. Like, can we get on the bus? Can we get off of the bus? Can we access the place that we're going and thinking about all of that? Or for someone like me who has a learning d disability, how can we ramp up the classroom so that there is access to the cu cu curriculum? Um, and that is something that I've done trainings on so that teachers can explore more creative ways to get to something, whether it's by visual, auditory, kinesthetic, and bringing all of those in so that if somebody learns best one way, that's awesome, but they can also get it in some other way too. Now, what I would like to hear from all of you is something a teacher did of how they how they worked with you that helped you. And it could be something that they did in terms of how they taught the thing or in terms of how they interacted with you. Would someone like to start? Um. What helped me to school is like just teach 
just give me extra reminders, like if I forget stuff. So, yeah. One thing that helped me through school, that was the off-pass on work. So in my uh, study skills class, my teacher would help me with my homework, and I used to have a hard time at like uh, big math problems and stuff. It helped me practice a bunch of math problems, and now I'm like really good at big math problems. In school, like having to study homework, and then like the teacher would be like, "Okay, we can help you with this and that." So the students were talking about a lot of ways that they feel supported in their classrooms. What student wouldn't benefit from an extra reminder or support or practice to get a skill? The teachers aren't going to be with the student forever and students are going to move on and they're going to have to find other ways to get this help. For example, instead of a teacher reminding you, maybe saying a reminder on your phone or when you go to a community college, instead of getting extra help from a teacher, you're getting, getting extra help from the tutoring center. And so those methods are still there. And again, they're pretty universal because everyone could benefit from reminders on, on their phone. Everyone could benefit from a tutoring center. Nina's now going to talk about the accommodations that she uses. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are so many things. I have project management software on here. Um, I have my Read to Go. This is my app by Bookshare, and um, I'm going to show you how I read. So this is how I read. A house once filled with a baker's dozen of voices are still, except for the joking antics of a little boy bent on comforting his one remaining parent. Stephen grew up in an American South that often suffered the barbs of national ridicule. So when people hear that, they're like, oh my God, that's so fast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then I make fun of them because they can't read as fast as me. Um, and the thing is, is that when I read without an accommodation, I read at 110 wor words, words, words a uh, minute. But when I read with this, I can read at 250 to 350 words a minute, depending on wow. what I'm doing. That's amazing. Yeah. But, but all of that is about how much someone who doesn't have dyslexia reads. Uh -huh. So I can read at the same pace as my peers. So Nina's whole message is, is building this community and that by building this community the students are empowered and they begin to understand that it's okay to ask for supports and it's normal to ask for supports and it's how we all get by every day is by having support. Yeah, everybody needs some level of support. After Nina's breakout session, I had the fortune to talk to the students one more time. And Izzy left with this bit of knowledge, which I think is fantastic. If you attended the conference, you might recall the hotel construction. If you need a reminder, you'll be able to hear it in this clip. And I have a favor to ask you. Yes. Izzy, Izzy said something about not caring what other people think. Can you just make that statement again? Yeah, I don't care what other people think. It's not what they think. It's what you think that really matters. Can you teach me how to do that? Because I need help with that. Um, sure. <laughs> you guys did awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to another bonus episode of the Oregon Transition Podcast. Peace out, pod people.